Never mind the ballots. How did Hitler become Chancellor of Germany? There are two big misconceptions about how Hitler managed to take control in Germany in 1933. The first is that the Nazi party seized power in some kind of revolution. The second is that Hitler became chancellor because he was elected. Neither of those are exactly accurate, as we'll discover. The first thing to think about is how the Nazis built their support, because they did. It's very true to say that Nazi support increased throughout the 1930s. And the reason for that is largely down to four factors. The first is their exceptional use of propaganda. Goebbels, who was in charge of Nazi propaganda, was incredibly talented. He was one of the first people to recognise the use of radio as a means of mass communication. The design of posters and various other electioneering materials was exceptionally effective. The other thing that you have to figure in is the impact of the Great Depression. The economic miracle that kept the Weimar Republic going in the late 1920s was built largely on foreign loans, mainly from America. And with the coming of the Wall Street crash and the Great Depression, that support was knocked out and the entire house of cards came crashing down. People, therefore, found themselves out of work and with very few prospects. And in those situations, they look for someone to blame. And the Nazi party was there with a ready-made target to blame, the Jews. The Nazi party program itself was constructed of 25 points, and they were almost breathtaking in their ability to pander to everybody. There was something in the 25 points to appeal to everyone. And don't forget the actual name of the party, the National Socialist German Workers' Party. Something to appeal to nationalists, something to appeal to socialists, something to appeal to patriots, and something to appeal to the working classes. There is something for everyone. Be that as it may, it's not a picture of completely rosy electoral victory for the Nazi party. In fact, if you look at the data from the elections, it's quite clear the pattern. Throughout the 1920s, the Nazis have practically no support. In May 1924, they gained 6.5% of the vote. In December 1924, they gained 3% of the vote, so it went down. By May 1928, that support had dropped to 2.6%. They are nowhere. The next election, of course, is in September 1930, after the Wall Street crash, and about a year after the Great Depression has started to bite into the Weimar Republic. And there, we find the Nazis gain 18.3% of the popular vote. That's a huge leap up from where they were before. By July 1932, their support has grown to 37.4%. That makes them the largest party in the Reichstag by a very long way. So the Nazis did not seize power. That avenue of trying to gain access, Hitler shut down after the failed Munich Beer Hall Putsch in 1923. They were attempting to gain access to power through elections. And their electoral support has suddenly peaked after the start of the Great Depression. 
However, all is not well. The structure of the Weimar government is clear. The president is elected, but the chancellor is appointed by the president. In late 1932, with his party riding high in the polls, Hitler demands the chancellorship. Hindenburg refuses. You have to remember, there are three main political powers in Germany. The army, the landed class of gentry, the Junkers from Prussia, and the industrialists. Hindenburg is a Junker through and through, and he also represents the army. So he looks down on this jumped-up Austrian corporal. There is a certain amount of class prejudice, as well as suspicion of his demagoguery and his appeal to the common people. So Hindenburg refuses, and instead he appoints Van Papen, one of his old friends, to carry on as Chancellor. The problem is, Van Papen has absolutely no support in the Reichstag. So Hindenburg has to rule using his emergency powers, granted to him by the Weimar Constitution, where he can pass laws simply on his say-so without going to the Reichstag. This is not sustainable, however, and so von Papen has to call another election. This election, held in November 1932, is key to helping us understand what was going on with the Nazi party. You see, their support drops. From July 1932, where they had 37.4% of all of the votes and were the largest party with 230 seats, their support drops. By November 1932, they get 33.1% of the vote. They lose 30 seats. They are still the largest party in the Reichstag, but it is clear from this that the Nazi support amongst the electorate has peaked and is now starting to fall. Again, Hitler demands the chancellorship. Again, Hindenburg refuses to appoint him. Instead, he appoints von Schlieker. But again, there is no support in the Reichstag. What can Hindenburg do? Well, again, he tries to prop him up using his emergency powers. Von Schlieker cannot function like this and eventually has to resign. The problem here now is that Hindenburg has quite comprehensively shown that the Weimar system of government is broken. It's no longer a democracy. For the last six months, he's been ruling by emergency powers and completely ignoring the leader of the party which has the greatest support in the Reichstag. This is unsustainable. But what are they going to do? There are meetings. These meetings happen in darkened rooms. They happen in the Reich Chancery in the middle of the night. They happen in offices filled with smoke. You can imagine the figures sitting around in the dark, drinking, smoking, eating, striking deals. Interestingly, the person who is not involved in any of this backroom dealing is Hitler. But he is the subject of the discussions. The discussions are being held between von Hindenburg, von Papen, industrialists, and the army, and members of the landed classes. And the discussion is, what do we do about Hitler? Eventually, a picture starts to emerge, an idea. The thought that maybe, maybe this man who can rile up the masses, this man who can command support in the Reichstag, perhaps this man can be a useful tool. 
Perhaps he can be a figurehead. Perhaps if we offer him the chancellorship, he can be controlled. And so this is the idea that develops. Hitler will be offered the chancellorship. He will be offered a small number of seats in the cabinet, say three, including himself. The rest of the cabinet will be built up of conservatives. Von Papen will stay on as vice-chancellor. Policy will be decided by the cabinet. Hitler's job will be to get these policies enacted through the Reichstag using the support that he's got. This seems like a no-lose scenario for von Papen. He gets the fig leaf of democratic accountability that comes from having Hitler and his seats in the Reichstag in the big chair, but he gets to continue with what he was doing. The vested interests, the landed aristocracy, the big business, the industrialists, they get what they want, a stable government. And so, on January the 30th, 1933, Hitler becomes Chancellor because von Papen and the others think that they can control him. They are badly mistaken. So, the question is, was Hitler elected? No, he wasn't. He was appointed as a result of backroom deals between von Papen, von Hindenburg, industrialists, the army and the aristocracy. How Hitler gets control of Germany is an issue for another time, and I suggest you check out the other podcasts that we've got on that subject. The main things, then, that you need to remember. Hitler becomes Chancellor because of political deals by von Papen and von Hindenburg. Although the Nazis have a great deal of support, it has peaked and is starting to decline by the end of 1933. Thank you for listening, and good luck on your exams. Thank you.